Tales of the Risen Tide by David M. Reynolds Narrated by the author with character performances by Luke Sumner, Gordon Cooper, Bryony Reynolds, Mitchell Shangaja, Maxine Finch, Eva Ekloff, Hadley Karimlu, and Curtis Tamari. Book One Seed of the Fair Folk. Prologue The light down here was different. The hot, red-white burn of the sun that baked and bleached the rock of her home was held at bay by the water, slowed and bent into dancing pillars of cool blue and gold. Protected from the harsh glare above, other colours dared to reveal themselves, the delicate pink of a coral drinking in the diluted light, the velvet midnight blue of an anemone waving slowly in the gentle currents of the lagoon, even the rarest of all, green, in the distant crop of sea palm that was tended by her uncles. But it wasn't the light and colour that brought Nix into the clear water of the lagoon today. Today was a pilgrimage, an honour to Olwen, the closest thing she'd had to a grandmother and the woman who had first shown her this place. The woman who had taught her to swim, and in so doing, find a world unlike the echoing caves of home. A world where nobody could hear, where she wasn't a burden. A world where things were even. She'd stayed for as much of the old woman's funeral rites as she could manage, but the moon song was too much. She'd attended one before, stood aside like a foreigner while her people raised up their voices in the loon hall, all weeping and holding hands and chanting in the pale light of the mere trees. Acoustics. Resonance. Her friend Sira had tried to find the hand sign to explain what it felt like. Like bringing a hundred candles into a hall made of mirrors, only the candles were voices. All Nix had felt was a vibration in her chest and a deep sense of unbelonging. That time it had been for a boy she hardly knew. One of the Eastlock kin had fallen from narrow rocks and died. She couldn't face feeling like a stranger again, not at the ceremony for someone she'd loved so well. Her lungs began to plead for air as the pain in her heart burned through her oxygen. Pushing against the rusted wreck that was her perch, she kicked gently for the surface, breaking it slowly and without disturbing the water. Everyone would be below in Loon Hall, she knew, but the stealth was long baked into her by now. She wasn't supposed to be out here, and a big enough splash would attract attention. It was strange, living in a world dominated by sound. She knew what it was, what would make it and how to stop it, but she would never really know it, never hear. Even the island itself could hear, protected as it was by a network of devices that could hear a ship's engines from way out on the horizon and raise the alarm, another sound she could only sense on the panicked faces of others. She sculled the water and looked around at the lagoon. The half-moon hung low and bright in the clear morning west, and she saw clearly the long, straight scars cut into its surface by the ancestors. 
it would be visible from Loon Hall soon, timed so as to match the old song's ending. Time for her to go. Sipping the warm air, Nix slipped under the water again. It was quicker and quieter to swim below the surface, and glowed back to the shore with strokes made confident by years of solitary practice. Something caught her eye. At first it seemed like the moon peering up at her from the very bottom. Impossible, but it was a silver disc. Kicking both legs in unison, she drove herself down, deeper and closer. Lungs burning again from the unexpected effort, she pushed on. As she drew closer, the curious object began to resolve itself. A bright metal puck, only a little larger than her eye socket, with a thin chain attached. Snatching it up along with a handful of sea soil, she kicked for the surface, abandoning stealth this time in favour of quicker air. Bursting from the water, she flung her hair back and kicked for the shore, still clutching her prize in hand. Panting, and without even pulling herself from the water, she inspected her find. Her breath caught in her throat as she rinsed the soil and turned the thing over in her hands. The back face of the puck had been bright metal, salt steel, she guessed, from the lack of rust, but the front face was dark with symbols she didn't recognise, and a dull window of grey-green she did. It was a display. Tech. Unshielded, relic tech. Nix glanced around guiltily. Even here on Losselfheim, tech was forbidden outside the heavily shielded deep caves. But this gadget or gizmo was long dead. Any ounce of trace would have faded centuries ago and had obviously not attracted any predators to the hidden island. But there was a button, smooth and shallow, almost flush with the edge of the disc, begging to be pressed. She teased it gently with her finger, felt it wiggle under her touch. But she dared not push, not out here. If, by some miracle, this relic still had life in it, she would have no way of knowing if it made noise. Not until someone came to investigate. Stashing the relic in a nook of the rock, Nix pulled herself from the water and patted herself dry with her bundled clothes. She could already feel the sun penetrating her ivory skin as she began to apply the thick, grey sun clay that would protect her. Movement caught her eye, and as she flung herself instinctively behind the cover of the rock, the jar of sun clay slipped from her grasp, smashing on the ground. Nix groaned inwardly. That would have made a sound for sure. Sheepishly, she peered over the rock, searching again for the movement, and sighed with relief as she saw Sira. What was her friend doing, away from the moonsong? The two girls locked eyes and Sira beckoned urgently, signing with exaggerated gestures to compensate for the distance. The alarm sounds. They are sealing the gates. Come. Abandoning the sun clay, Nix pulled on her clothes and dashed toward her friend, replying as she scrambled over the rocky ground. A ship nearby? Question. Sira shook her head. Perhaps nothing. 
not an engine, but close by. She took a shawl from her shoulders and draped it protectively over Nix's exposed skin, already burning in the morning sun. Sira would burn just as fast, of course, but she was a full six months older and was fiercely protective of her little sister. Nix hurried alongside. They would seal the gates and hide, as always, until the sound passed. Their island would appear to be just another barren rock, some hilltop or ruined building protruding from the flood sea, not worth investigating. And then, when it was safe, once more the good mother would send the search parties out, checking the island over. Nix halted as she remembered the trinket. She couldn't have anyone else find it. Spinning on her heel, she darted back toward her hiding place, throwing a quick sign to Sira as she did. Go. I follow quickly. Sira might have objected, but Nix didn't turn back to give her the opportunity. Hurrying across the uneven ground, she sprung down lightly behind the rock hide, snatching up the stashed tech relic and flinging the broken pieces of the sunclay jar into the water with her foot. Looking around to make sure she'd left no other clue to her misadventure, she hesitated. There was another glint of light, a little further away this time, the same bright gleam of metal, only this time on the rocky ground. Glancing back to check that Sira was out of sight, Nix crept closer. It was rare enough to find an ancient thing deep in the lagoon, where perhaps the tides of a hundred years could have moved it, but out in the open? Within the protection of narrow rocks and the gully? She'd walked this way a thousand times before. She could never have missed this. A spiral of bright steel, with a short wooden handle. Not tech, just some trinket. But nothing she'd seen before among her people. The breeze brought foreign smells. Sweat mixed with the distilled tree spirit they used to clean old gears. Her hair prickled against the shawl. There was movement at her side, and she whirled about. An outsider, oily clothes barely covering his rough, sun-poxed skin, grinned at her with a mouth full of metal teeth. Another closed in next to him, this one taller and wiry and looking right past her. She turned, panicking now, and saw a third man, thick as a tree, stooping to collect the steel spiral from the floor. His eyes never left hers, and his lips moved, though she couldn't read them. Forcing her trembling body to obey, she charged right at him, darting suddenly left to narrowly avoid his grasping hands. A heartbeat, and she was past him, heading for the path that would take her to inner sea. She could swim then, perhaps, or make for the northern gate before... Something caught her feet, tangling, slamming her to the ground. She felt her chin split on the rock. She tried to scramble back to her feet, but found herself enmeshed in a coarse web of ropes as the three men, now four, approached. Desperate, Nix screamed, feeling her voice breaking from lack of use. She pushed the air, ragged from her lungs, felt the resonance in her hoarse throat and chest. Wincing, the wiry man shoved a rag into her mouth, stifling her cry. She was carried, kicking and biting, and thrown into a small boat, 
its inflatable sides patched and bulging. She was forced down by many hands and felt the water moving under her. There was the biting smell of gasoline, and cool salt spray fell upon her face. Nix tried to calm herself, to think. There was a motor, but a boat this small couldn't have made it to Lossalfheim alone. They were a hundred clicks from the nearest land. With the sensors triggered, her people would be hiding behind the sealed gates. She was alone. The boat turned hard and thudded into something. The hands released their pressure, and she felt them snatching, dragging at the nets that bound her. Suddenly, she was lifted clear of the boat, and up. Up to a much, much larger boat. A ship. Too big to have made it here unheard. Bigger than any she'd seen up close. Bigger even than the Archon, the only one that had ever been allowed within the confines of Inner Sea. Hands from above groped down, and she was hauled onto the rusty, fly-eaten deck. Blinking against the light and the pain, she saw a dozen pairs of feet crowded around her. More groping hands, and the nets were torn free, and Nix dragged unsteadily to her feet, her arms held. The dozen pairs of feet were shared between more than a dozen men, each more vulgar than the next. The mingled pungence of oil, sweat, spirits and fish was nauseating. They looked almost more afraid of her than she was of them, crossing themselves and muttering as they leered at her alabaster skin. Nix read the same familiar word on many lips. She jutted her chin defiantly and tried to appear uncowed. Fairy. The cleanest among them, a false-toothed man with a wide green hat and an intricate black beard, stepped forward appraisingly. He carried a note of lavender oil above the stench of the crew. He spoke, and Nix managed to read a clutch of his words. You are our ship, and I have... What are your... Inside. Nix tried to move her hands, to sign something, even just to point to her ears, but her arms were held fast. She realised that, through all this, she still clutched the metal puck relic, as if her life depended on it. Green Hat tried again, slower. Do you understand? I need to know that... Alone, are you H? The arms holding hers twisted roughly, trying to squeeze an answer from her. Desperate for options, and seeing her chances of rescue slipping away, Nix felt out the button on the tech relic, held her breath, and pushed. Nothing happened. The pirates seemed to hesitate and Green Hat must have given an order to the thick arms holding her as they wrenched her fist open and took the relic. Green Hat held out his hand to receive it, chuckling. He pushed the button once more, then pulled a close-fitting copper shield mesh from his pocket and slipped the puck inside, polishing it on his waistcoat and fastening the chain to a buttonhole. 
A path cleared in the mass of bodies, and a hunched figure made his way forward. Molten scars licked across his cheeks and brow from behind a dark bandage that covered both eyes. He gripped a long staff with bony fingers and felt his way forward. All eyes among the crew were on him. Even Greenhat made way as he stepped forward. Greenhat gestured impotently at Nix and muttered something, but the blind man swatted his words away and handed the man his staff as he drew closer to her. His bony fingers clutched at her face, prodding and poking, then her shoulders and chest. Nix swallowed back a pained gasp as he groped her small breasts roughly. She could smell decay on his breath, the same scent she'd caught on Olwen in the days before the end. He took a half-step back and spoke, his parched lips close and slow enough for her to read. Death, flowering but young enough yet to be called a child, she'll do. Haste now, or the devil take us all. Greenhat yelled orders, but the crew were already rushing for their posts. Great makeshift oars were snatched up and thrust through freshly cut holes in the gunnels, two men to each, and soon the great ship started to move across inner sea. So that is how they hid from the listeners, Nix realised with a detached admiration. The same way the Tsar came for his blood mixing. By rowing. The arms, still clutching hers, dragged her to a post and bound her there, while a small shriveled man sprayed her with a clinging rust oil that stained her pale skin red-brown like theirs. Her eyes began to sting fiercely from the oil fumes, and the tears she'd been holding back began to tumble unchecked down her cheeks. She watched as the steep walls of narrow rocks began to slide past the ship, the hull groaning where they passed too close. Nix had grown up on a diet of Olwen's stories about the voyages on the open sea, and soon grown hungry for more, persuading Sira to sign-repeat every word of Inkainen's tellings when the Archon visited. She'd spent many hours dreaming of a life beyond the caves of Losselfheim, where she could be more than the curious deaf child. But now that she found herself, on the day of the old teller's funeral no less, face to face with the characters from those stories, she wished for nothing more than to be back inside the safety of the sealed gates. There was a blur of red-green as a young pheasant swooped across the bow of the ship and back toward its perch atop the gully. She watched it go, and longed to fly after it, free of her bonds. Nix felt a tremendous rumble in her chest, and the rock wall to their right exploded, sending shards of shattered stone crashing down to scatter across the deck. A wave of panic tore through the crew. Some abandoned their oars, ducking for cover from the unknown assault. Nix's skin tingled. Only one thing could do damage like that. She looked to the high cliffs at their left, saw the still-smoking barrel of one of the great sentinel guns ratcheting down toward them. She glimpsed the ivory-white spectres of Oluwe and Nankin, guardmen who should have been sealed away inside with the others. 
Another gun rolled forward from its cavity in the cliff. Then another, and Nix's heart leapt as she saw familiar figures in the shade of the cave tunnels. Her father and Sira clinging to him, sobbing. Sira! She had raised the alarm and brought help. The good mother strode forward into the light, her ivory skin dulled by hurried sun clay. She bellowed something and raised a hand. Nix's captors were arguing now, some cowering behind the gunwales, some wrenching the oars to free the ship from the gully, others bellowing orders and fetching weapons. One raised a rifle and fired, the ball smashing into the rock inches behind the good mother, but the old chiefess did not flinch. From amidst the chaos, the scarred blind man hobbled toward Nix, a curved knife in his hand. Squirming to get away, she found her bonds suddenly cut, then her neck in a vice grip as she was thrust forward toward the sheer cliff. The old man ripped the shawl from her head, revealing the salt-white hair, incongruous now with the red-stained skin. He forced her head upward, holding her out like a trophy, a warding stone protecting the ship against further attack. Sira wailed and clutched at her father in the shade, while the sentinel gunners looked on, ready to fire. But the good mother was impassive. A statue upon the high platform, arm raised. Nix's eyes streamed from the vapours of the oil dye. The good mother's hand moved an inch, then hesitated. Nix saw her father yelling something, but it was too far, too dark to read. A feathered landed on one of the sentinel guns beside the good mother and raised its head in the long sorrow call Nix would never hear. The old woman hung her head and slowly lowered her arm, unable or unwilling to give the order. Sira wailed as the ship's crew cheered and returned to their posts, guiding the hulking vessel clumsily free of the gully. Nix watched as her home slipped away past the sides of the ship, and too soon she was on the open water, alone and afraid, prisoner among pirates. Our voyage through the world of the Risen Tide continues in the next episode, which is already here on the Tales of the Risen Tide podcast. New chapters will be released on Monday and Thursday every week, so hit subscribe to stay up to date, or if you just can't wait, the full tale is available today on Audible, Spotify, and more. If you'd rather read than listen, head over to talesoftherisentide.com or Amazon to grab yourself a hard copy or ebook. Thanks for listening. <laughs>